Hello. Is a tech you're looking for? Oh no. Oh no, no, no. Oh no, no, no. This is going off the rails. Quickly. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> Opening clip. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is Colin. And this is Chris. And like a fresh, new rearrangement of your living room, this is Shiny Podcast. Following the light and throwing a little shade on the newest and brightest in today's gaming and technology. It is Saturday, January 20th. We are recording a couple of days later than normal. Uh, but that's okay. Yeah. How, how's it going, Chris? I feel like I've been punched in the head. Awesome. <laughs> I feel like I've been repeatedly punched in the head. Yes, I'm quite awake now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rock'em sock'em week, which is why we're not recording, or why we re- are recording a little bit later than normal. Uh, it's been great. It's been very busy. And it's um, beautiful. Happy it's the weekend. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All good stuff. Mm-hmm. All good stuff. Oh man, but seriously, rearranging your living room, aside from like the the action of having to move furniture, it's probably one of my favorite things to do. It's yeah. like, oh uh, man, yeah, like whole like fresh the, new perspective and yeah. So it makes it feel like a new space, huh? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Did you did you do you feel like you've increased the feng shui? I think so. So we 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 got rid of our old couch and we got another free sectional, but also a free big cozy comfy chair which is something that i've been on the lookout for a long time oh very nice um and so by nature of where i work we we sometimes can get free furniture and so um we just barely squeezed this this sectional into our apartment it was very very tight <laughs> but, oh man just you and cavi yeah oh yeah. lord yeah good team yeah absolutely. team team that's right <laughs> But we got it in there, and uh, we we love the new setup. So it's it's going well. Oh, good for you! Boy, very I was... very exciting domestic life. <laughs> yes, it sounds it. I was nowhere near that motivated this morning. That was I was I slept in. My sounds like you needed it though. Oh, I think I did. Yeah, yeah. Especially since the cats didn't let me sleep at all last night. It's like it's like they're they're trying to get deported. <laughs> It's like they're they're trying, but in happier news, I I hear you've got some great news, some uh, good update to uh, your beer situation. Yeah, so if if you might recall, we we talked a little bit about uh, a beer that I had made, and there was a bit of a snafu at the beginning with a a, a very very low starting gravity, which is very bad uh, for for beer uh, when you're making it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to make some correction, last minute corrections and, uh, it, it came out o- it, okay in the end. So I kegged it up, uh, last weekend and let it chill for, for a little bit and made, made some pulls last night and today and it's doing just fine. It's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Did it, did, are you, uh, surprised at the results or did it kind of land where you thought it would? It landed where I thought it would. Uh, it landed. Yeah. I mean, ideally I've done. 
ideally have done those calculations correctly, which is why the, the screw up was so egregious. Cause it's like, it's in my control to make sure that I'm starting where I need to start and to be so far off from where I needed to be was Oof. like, yeah, it hurts. It makes, I mean, it, it's not a good feeling. You really feel stupid when that kind of thing happens. So, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I was able to fix it, and that's that's the point. <laughs> so. Dude, my one of my uh, mentors uh, told me once that the true mark of a craftsman is not being able to do something well. The true mark of a craftsman is being able to fuck something up completely and still have it come out well. Right on. <laughs> I so. think I think that is one hundred percent accurate. I think so too. <laughs> Words to live by. Yes, sir. Well, I'd say it's the news. <laughs> Colin, do you have a Chromecast? I do. And if you have been having any issues at home with your Wi-Fi recently and made to feel a little crazy like I have, there's good news. Well... Sort of. It's uh, there. There is a reason for it, and you're not going crazy. At least not because of this. <laughs> we have to make that that disclaimer. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't ever want you to think that you're not completely crazy on some other issue. I cannot make that claim. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's been an issue reported with Chromecast uh, and Google Homes overloading home Wi-Fi networks. And I have been having this problem recently where usually I would come home and I want to throw on some next generation and unwind from the day. And lo and behold, my Wi-Fi network suddenly stops working. Like mm, as Which is as soon as the I get home. Yeah. worst moment. Like... Like, you know, it's bad enough when Wi-Fi is intermittent, but when it works, when it's when it's intermittent and it's the end of the workday. Yeah, bad. that's what we call egregious. Yes. <laughs> Very frustrating. And some some small tirades and fits of rage later find out that there's a reason for all of this. Uh, there's a, a bug where uh, uh, the Google device, whether it's the Chromecast or the Google Home, and this is, I think it's specifically related to Android devices. Yes. Which which I have is being overloaded with, I think it's 100,000 packets all at once, where usually it should be at the most 20, 30-ish. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, so it's supposed to send out a, uh, like a multicast discovery packet, which is just this sort of thing that's like, hello, I'm here. If anybody would like to talk to me, I am a Chromecast. You can talk to me here. And that's supposed to only happen once every 20 seconds. Sorry, so, that's, that's where the number 20 came from. Yeah, I'm so sorry. One packet. <laughs> I think it, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to make it, uh, to, to take note of because it, it sort of demonstrates the scale of the issue. One packet every 20 seconds versus 100,000 packets every second yeah. is what they're <laughs> actually sending. And all of a sudden the Wi-Fi network is like, oh God, I don't know. I don't want to do it. just can't even take it. I mean, you know, there's so many devices out there that are just going to like, I'll lock up. Yep, exactly. And I, I love that at the bottom of this, it's like for now, disconnecting your Google products from the network or disabling cast functionality seems to fix the issue. Right. So stop 
using the thing that I'm trying to use. Right. Great. It does not seem to affect every router. For some reason, this particular situation is somewhat situational. However, if you have an Android device and a Chromecast and or a Google Home, Google Home Mini, and your Wi-Fi has been absolute gobshite lately, we may, you may have a culprit. Right. So Google is supposedly has promised a fix that I think was supposed to come out on Thursday, but I don't know where that's at at this point. Hopefully uh, they're going to, re- they're going to release it right after that uh, Google drive Linux client that they, you know, right on. Yeah. <laughs> Any day now, Googs. Any day. <laughs> So speaking of Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi Alliance. Wow, <laughs> sounds like the Empire. The uh... yes, <laughs> uh, they act like it sometimes. <laughs> the Wi-Fi Alliance has announced the next generation WPA three security protocol. For those of you who have ever set up a Wi-Fi network, you know that you can pick between the old and insecure WPA. Or one or the more secure current WPA2 security protocol. It has, of course, been with us for about 20 years. And um, I guess that means that it's time to write a new one, write a new version. I'm imagining (laughs) if the pace of like other technology moved that slowly. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, well, I think this I wonder if if they would have done it even this soon if it were not for the crack attacks earlier this year fair enough this is a little bit of a departure from previous encryption protocols though because unlike uh previous versions wpa3 secures an open wi-fi network by using individualized data encryption this means the connection between your device on the network and the router is scrambled to ensure websites that you visit aren't tampered with which is uh interesting interesting this is also bringing in a new kind of handshake, a method of identification to uh, between yourself and the Wi-Fi device providing your network, which I bet is in direct, in direct, uh, a direct response to the crack attacks because that was where that was where the, the issue was, right? Leak was yeah, the um, the vulnerability. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Uh, we probably won't see any hardware with this coming out until later this year and then even then i think it'll be a pretty limited run but that it's being implemented finally <laughs> it's good it is good but but that really does uh, highlight the problem with with uh this massive segment of technology and i don't think this gets talked about enough so on the shiny podcast we're going to take a couple minutes and poke at it i think <laughs> network devices you know, the things that the, the underpowered little machines in everybody's home and business that we rely on 24-7 that you spend only a fraction of what your desktop or laptop PC cost, they don't get much attention, do they? Yeah, I was going to say, they get ignored a lot. <laughs> I mean, dear listener, I think you have, if you're listening to this show, there's a pretty uh, good chance that you, you do it anyway, but... I ask you, when was the last time you logged into your router or switch or Wi-Fi access point and clicked the update button? But Chris, how do I log into my router? (laughs) (laughs) 
Usually, it's on a giant sticker on the device that tells you exactly how to do so. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> but, you know. But, you know. It's really important because, you know, as these massive vulnerabilities come out, there are fix that, fixes that are being implemented, but it's incumbent on you to, to go and make sure that they're patched. The problem here, particularly, is that this requires new hardware. Yeah. Given the quickness with which some companies push out updates to existing devices, which is sometimes never, and a lot of those devices are still in use, believe you me, and given that you need to actually physically update your device in order to get this new form of security, it can take years for this kind of thing to actually hit a critical mass to the point where it's useful. Right on. It can take so long. I mean, ugh, it's 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 a real it's a real problem. I mean, that's why people have moved toward more managed networking devices. Which are, which are systems that allow you to have um, some, some centralized system of keeping them up to date, patching them, and, and also configuring them. Uh, because it just, it just you know, it kind of solves this problem. But we're not going to solve it today. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just comment on how frustrating and annoying it is as a, a geek to know that there are these wonderful fixes of technology uh, that take, uh, you know, nearly for, a decade to right. actually filter down to <laughs> normal people. Excited for the change regardless. Very much, very much, very much. But but the age old question, hey, do you know why my Wi-Fi sucks? It's like the list is the list yeah. of why your Wi-Fi sucks just gets longer every day. <laughs> but it's hard when you talk to somebody, you know, and they're like, Chris, do you know where my Wi-Fi sucks? It's like, well, if the WPA3 standard <laughs> yeah. had been implemented at some time in the last five years, yeah, it's like you've already lost. <laughs> Still we hope. Still we hope. That's right. So, if you have invested any money in Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, some other cryptocurrencies. <laughs> then, then you just and, had a bad week. Yeah, if you were paying attention at all to to those numbers, um, it was a bad week. It was a bad week for Bitcoin. <laughs> it was it was very bad, and and part of it, at, at least I think part of it was uh, there was a large lending and exchange platform called BitConnect that announced that it was shutting down. And I think as a response to that, the market went bananas. Just I think went. that's the technical term. I mean, it, it was the, the times correlate almost exactly <laughs> to, to this, this service being shut down and, and the, the kind of crash of those numbers, which is not great. But, 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 um, BitConnect is not particularly above board, are they? No, no, they are not. So, so I, I, I certainly don't want to confuse the issue and say that, you know, th this is a legitimate business. They were accused of being a Ponzi scheme and a mid-level marketing pyramid scheme of, you know, dealing with cryptocurrency. However, I think their announcement that they were shutting down sent, sent those values plummeting. Yeah, they did actually. I mean, from the highs we were reporting a couple of weeks ago of, you know, $19,000 per Bitcoin or more 
for a few moments. Mm-hmm. We're now at about 11,000 and change. Yep, exactly. Alexa, what is the current price of Bitcoin? One Bitcoin is worth $12,792. Oh, it's up. I stand okay. corrected. <laughs> I'm sorry for everybody who I just ruined your your listening experience with your <laughs> with your echo device in the room. <laughs> but <laughs> when do we officially start calling Alexa a guest on the show, by the way? Oh no, cancel, cancel. Alexa, cancel. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, Bitcoin's a little bit up, but down from $19,000 to $12,000 is uh, quite a lot for a few days. Yeah, it's pretty big. This is why people say it's not an investment. Correct. It's okay if you want to have fun or swap around some value or you know, internet points and buy things with it. But if you're looking to make a quote unquote return, that time is past. That's not happening anymore. Well, it's not Bitcoin. That's for sure. Well, sorry. That's what I mean. For Bitcoin, that time is past. I feel like this is the first of many that uh, 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 cuts, you know, death by a thousand cuts that we're going to see. And that's okay. You know, it's important for this technology to evolve. I think that you're probably going to see uh, a lot of a lot of mainstream knee-jerk reaction to this, though. Mm-hmm. You know, because the Luddites will always claim, "Well, there it see, it's a terrible idea. That's it. Look at that. This just doesn't work, right?" Because that's always, you know, that's the <laughs> that's always what happens. The hallmark of lazy thinking, right? In this particular case, BitConnect was um, (laughs) known for some very shady shit. They provided an exchange by which you could loan Bitcoin to BitConnect, who would then funnel, theoretically, the value to startup companies who needed it, and then would pay you dividends based on the length of the loan that you had signed up for. Does that sound a little fishy to you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't don't worry. You give me your money, I do triple your profits. It's fine. It's great. Everyone's happy. This is insane right here. Um, looking at their graph that showed the uh, daily accrued interest, and they're saying if you were, I mean, if one thousand to five thousand dollars, point one percent interest compounded daily. That's well, <laughs> that's pretty good, but yeah, that's bullshit. If it's real, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Compounded daily. Good lord. Yeah. Ridiculous. It's like, I mean, I don't know how to explain this one, right? Because sometimes this stuff, it's like, you, you know, pe- people ask, you know, well, well, where did you, you know, where in the spec, where's the technical argument, you know, against this? And the answer is, bro, you. You, you got to also be a human and you, know, you can't, you got to also like use, use like the, the, the common sense part of your brain. If, if it feels like bullshit and it seems like what they're promising is impossible. Well, 
Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm just going to get my heartbeat on my watch for a second. Just very complicated, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get it. There's, 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 there's incredible things. There's incredible things made in this world every day that, that completely change the paradigm. But guess what? You still can't squeeze blood from a stone. I think that's it right there. <laughs> I think that's yeah, it yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. Goodbye, BitConnect. I'm looking forward to the fourth generation uh, cryptocurrency, whenever that might be. That's probably when um, it will start to stabilize. Right on. But we got to get through the first. Yeah. All right, dude. This is, this is, I have to admit, at first I was skeptical. And now I kind of think it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, when I first watched this, I was like, okay, what gimmick? What are, what are they doing? And by the time that I watched it a couple of times, it really started to come together and just kind of how brilliant it all is. So it is, it is also, it is the most Nintendo thing that Nintendo has ever done. <laughs> Agreed. So... Well, what are we talking about? We're referencing Nintendo's new Labo, which is a new line of uh, interactive build and play uh, cardboard do-it-yourself creations for the Nintendo Switch. I absolutely encourage you to watch this video. We'll link it in our show notes and kind of see some of the things that they have designed for use for the Nintendo Switch. Some of them include a fishing pole to play a fishing game, uh, a full robot thing to virtual at virtual reality robot video game to buzzing a robots, a piano. Yeah. I, I think this is really neat for, for a couple of reasons. One of them, how great is it that they've made it? I hopefully made it out of something that's sustainable and recyclable and remanufacturable for for such a low cost to nintendo it's also amazing to see how articulate these cutouts really are i mean it, it's 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 pretty crazy how like oh yeah that's definitely a piano or a fishing pole I mean, it looks like the same material that you get like your McDonald's in. <laughs> yes, it does. But these designs are incredible. <laughs> these designs are, are like, you know, the real deal. Really, really cool. And and one of the the applications that I, I think that Nintendo is is I'm, I'm thinking of the long game. Where's Nintendo going with this? I think what they are probably trying to do is getting is is moving the Nintendo Switch as as an educational tool. Get them into schools and teach coding and you know for these robot things that they you can control on on right. these things or I don't know th that kind of direction. Yeah, I I just think it, Making, it, the applications for education. Yeah, exactly for education and for parents to buy their kids is I I think that's where this is really going to explode. I mean, it's on the foundation of an amazing sales year, too. They sold more Switches than they sold just about anything else they've ever made this year. Right. Or rather, last year, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, they sold, you know, they were one of the best sellers of the holiday season, which isn't surprising. You know, I mean, it's a cool system. I mean, it is really neat. They finally really hit the thing that I thought they were trying to make with the Wii U. This is definitely when I first saw the Wii U back, you know, a couple several years ago. I envisioned what the switch turns out to be, you know, given the advertising and it feels like they've really nailed it. Absolutely. That mix of console and mobile. Mm -hmm. It's all powered by an NVIDIA chip too. Yeah, absolutely. Which Mm -hmm. is to my knowledge, the only console that is, if I'm not mistaken. No, they all, yeah. The others all use AMD. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, alignment in some for some way for some reason I, I I don't know if I have any insight on it but like it does it it feels like that's something to watch something to remember mm-hmm. you know I think Nvidia has some killer product with those Tegra chips so you know I've always said that I've always said that <laughs> I'm really interested to see where this goes and to actually get my hands on some of this stuff um, well first I have to get a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I was about to ask, do you own a Switch? No, no, I don't. Uh, My brother-in-law, Omar, lent me his for for a period of time. And so I got to play around with the the console itself. And and, and to see see this is, yeah, this is just so cool. I just think it's really neat and creative. And I think that its future applications are broad. And I think it's really cool. I mean, these pre-cut designs are something, you know, they, they, in this video that we're going to link, they show you that they're far more complicated than just folding some cardboard around. I mean, they have like machines that influence sensors in the joy, joy cons, they call them, mm-hmm. right? Yep. For, uh, you know, for the switch. I mean, it's like, it's, it's stuff that like the, 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 the light or the, um, <clears throat> Yeah, the light sensor inside of the Joy Cons will watch movement in court and in you know express a certain action depending on where uh, like a piece of cardboard is in this simple machine. It's yep, quite exactly. fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's quite fascinating and responsive if you're if the uh, advertisement is to be believed. Yes, and that will definitely be something to keep an eye on because it did seem to be quite responsive. But maybe maybe it is that sophisticated. Can I ask you a question about your Switch experience? Sure. When you had it, did you play around with the handoff from, uh, I guess, plugged into TV mode to mobile mode? You know, I didn't. Uh, I actually wound up playing it mostly in mobile mode. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, as far as I know, it's pretty smooth. That would be a great question for my brother-in-law. If you are listening, Omar, and would like to email us, <laughs> that would be great. And where can they do that, Colin? At hello at shinypodcast.com. Hello. Is a tech you're looking for? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. This is going off the rails I quickly. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> Opening clip. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, please watch that video. I was, I thought it was, uh, I was super excited. I thought it was really cool and inventive and I can't wait to see what they do with it in the future. You're going to get a switch now. Well, I really wanted to get a switch anyway, but now this is like, that's man, that's really goddamn cool. (laughs) So absolutely. When I I love that they chose cardboard. I mean, I have to admit it really tickles my, uh, 
you know, my, my uh, duct tape and, and WD 40 background for sure. Like <laughs> the, I'm like, the, I'm the, red, that. Green, the red green effect. Exactly. Exactly. Right on. No, me too, man. All right, coming up next, the FCC admits that you should stop listening to them and that they hold no power over you anymore. Yeah, we just can't get through one week without talking about these assholes. <laughs> oh, Lord, fucking childish chimpanzees is what it stands for, by the way. If anybody was wondering what the acronym FCC uh, means. Okay. So, our friends at the Federal Communications Commission, who continue to decline all of my invitations to come on the show, <laughs> have um, they've sort of they've sort of stepped in it a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. But you know, cognitive and logical dissonance has never stopped a government body from anything. So they recently re uh, released a fact sheet. Uh, called the Broadband Progress Report. <laughs> yes, like that. I know. Progress. Broadband Progress Report. <laughs> In this report, the FCC determined that mobile really is not advanced enough at this time to replace home internet and that speeds uh, are not the speeds offered by mobile technology are not enough to lower or rather to raise the average speed of consumers connections. You see what I'm saying? The speed of mobile is not fast enough to compare with what we used to define as recently as last week as broadband. No however, shit. However, who ultimately is in charge of defining and setting the standards for broadband? If your answer was the FCC, you have completed this vicious little logic loop with us. Congratulations. That searing white hot pain behind your eye is your reward it's your reward for successfully completing this inane puzzle yes yes it's true they publicly are admitting to the fact that what they're ruling on is bullshit yet cite no reason not to go ahead with it anyway <sighs> okay <laughs> No, thanks, I'm just, thanks I, Mr. Pie. <laughs> it's so I can't work together a cohesive sentence to properly express my frustration without it just being a string of expletives. You you want to you want to just let that out? I mean, that's that's okay too. <laughs> no, it's okay. I won't subject I, our listeners to that. We do have the uh, explicit language tag, but we don't need to <laughs> take that to the, the absolute edge, I suppose. Of, no. Uh, <clears throat> sanity. No. <clears throat> That's just it. There's your, little, there's your weekly uh, dissonance from the FCC. Beautiful. Isn't it great? Life is wonderful.
This is a tragedy in the making, friends. I mean, I think a little back. So we're going to talk about Intel. This last story is an, it's actually an op-ed on Bloomberg, but it's an op-ed. But I think that this 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 uh, piece definitely uh, is articulating a feeling that has got to be very common in the technology world right now. Title: Intel has a big problem, and it needs to act like it. Meltdown and Spectre have opened up new hacking threats, sparked class actions, and enraged long-term partners. Mm -hmm. We are on the uh, in the wake, I should say, of uh, CES in Las Vegas, uh, which was rained out. <laughs> if you'll recall, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything's fine. We're not um, forgetting about that. <laughs> the. Uh, Intel show was absolutely extravagant, crazy, entertaining, over the top. They uh, had the killers play. Um, you know. Cool. Oh, sorry, they, they did not have the actual killers play. They had a <laughs> group of people doing things that the Blue Man group uh, did 10 years ago to the tune by the killers. But anyway, what? they... <laughs> They spend money. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. And they go on stage. <laughs> that's, and you've got, that's not the weird part. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the strange part. You've got Brian. I can't pronounce this. The CEO of Intel's last name. Krasanik. Krasnik. Mr. K. Brian, <laughs> Brian K. Coming out on stage to talk about all of the innovation of Intel. You picture, picture yourself in in this room okay you're you're at the largest electronics and and consumer gadget show on the planet it's on the heels of the massive massive news about the meltdown inspector vulnerabilities there's been a fucking power outage at this world-renowned computer consumer electronics show <laughs> because it rained in las vegas <laughs> And out comes Mr. BK to tell you about all of the wonderful ways that Intel is pushing drone technology and 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 cutting down power usage in their in their chips and how Intel is just about everywhere and looking for the standing ovations getting nothing but very awkward crickets. Everything is fine, nothing is wrong. While never ever directly addressing the one thing on everybody's mind. This is hubris in action, folks. This is what a giant looks like right before they trip on their shoelaces. It's unreal. And, and, and Intel has so much social capital that I feel like if they were successful at communicating in this tumultuous time, this would probably not be a problem. But every time Intel since Meltdown Inspector have gone public, every time they've spoken publicly, they've gone out of their way to try to make it sound like they're not the only ones involved. AMD, that's just as bad over there, which is patently untrue. Certain parts of these uh, problems affect AMD chips, but not not meltdown in no. any way, shape, or form. And this isn't to get, you know, fanboyish about one company or the other. 
This is about a responsibility of a private company that has supplied a majority of our 90% of the world's computer processors. Right. Making a catastrophic manufacturing mistake and not owning up to it. And that's what everybody's seeing. I mean, I'm I'm just just in my own little corner of the universe. I'm hearing non-geeks ask me where do I get AMD like laptops? <laughs> you know? Unfortunately, there aren't many. <laughs> no, and and the answer is you really don't have a lot of great options. Unfortunately, <sighs> looks like HP's got a couple on in the works, but um, uh, yeah, exactly. You can you know I have. It's funny how different my opinion of HP computers is from HP printers. Like I <laughs> like I will almost only buy HP printers, but I would I would never purchase a Hewlett Packard computer. Sorry, sorry, it's true. That's how I feel. It's my personal opinion. Yeah. yeah. They're up way with up there with like Gateway and <laughs> those the the I was almost interested in the HP Spectres, but again, horrible branding and a terrible God. time. God damn it! God damn it! Anyway, <laughs> ruining it for everybody. Well, and this is it though. Like I mean, that's what what a I can think of no better uh, symbol of. Of the problem, right? I mean, like, literally, HP has a laptop named Spectre. It goes to show how little involved or how little anybody else knew about these problems. But here's, right. for a 20-year-old bug, there is no part of me that believes that they didn't know about it in some capacity. You Agreed. know, especially given their absolute absolutely arrogant stance post public disclosure yeah it certainly doesn't inspire much confidence that they you know that they didn't know and so where does this leave us i mean we're in a a a you know fairly tenuous position we're looking at a good i mean it's going to be a couple of years i don't even want to put a, an actual number on it a couple of years before we see any hardware that is uh, secured against the Spectre vulnerabilities. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, yeah, what do you what do you do? You well, I guess you could just accept a thirty percent performance cut, <laughs> or you can go buy an AMD. This is not the, and I just want, because this personally affected me too, uh, there was another Intel management engine flaw, a really, really nasty one that was disclosed uh, a, a week or so ago. And it sort of got swept up in the whole, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in the whole news of, of Spectre and Meltdown. But uh, for those of you who are not remembering at the top of, off the top of your head, the management engine is a tiny, uh, is a tiny, tiny little Minix uh, system deep, 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 deep down on the Intel uh, chip that actually has complete control over the Intel chip that is um, that runs before boot and um, yeah has uh, complete access to uh, the hardware and yeah. can. Uh, do anything. So when a bug comes up, that means that your computer's, uh, you know, um, remotely controllable by, uh, you know, people you don't want to give that control to. 
If you look down at your laptop right now and you see the words Intel inside and beneath it you see core anything with the word or with the letters V Pro next to it, you are affected by this management engine vulnerability. Dag. Mm -hmm. I am not trying to make the case that by sticking by going with an AMD system, you are going to be safe. Oh no, 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 no. But I'm making the case that this this particular company is proving themselves to be undeserving of the market share that they currently hold and puts the entire computing population at a risk that is, well, it can only be born out of corporate greed, can it not? Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. <laughs> because it would cost so much money to fix, to actually fix the problem that they probably swept it under the rug for however many years leading up to this. And they got exposed, and they're still not really owning up to it. And I think this is going to cause a backlash in a in a real dollars and cents kind of way. Absolutely, and and again, I'm I, I have an Intel CPU. I, Likewise, I've always used Intel CPUs leading up to this. My next computer build will be an AMD, and I'm not an AMD fanboy. I I. I like that there's some competition and I usually root for the underdog, but I, this is upsetting and I'm going to go with the company that up, up until now hasn't done this. <laughs> I think you are in good company friend. I mean, I think a lot of people in charge of very large budgets right now are looking at the dollars to performance advantage that you're getting in, especially in Threadripper. Yeah. Holy shit! And a company that up that at this moment is not suffering from the largest you know, security vulnerability in history. Oh, I think this man. is AMD or AMD's years year to be had. I mean, it's, hell it's, yes, it is. You know, and and good. This kind of shit happens when companies get comfortable and too fat and bloated to fix their own shit. This is what happens. This is what you get. You know, I'm as much of a free market you know, proponent is the next guy, but it has to actually be free based on real information and, and, and facts, not, not pretend performance benchmarks that are wrought by insecure systems that we just NDA people out of. Okay. I mean, it has to actually work down to the, to its core, you know, the, um, the Volkswagen, uh, situation comes to mind doesn't it yeah yeah a little bit mm -hmm. the the uh it was i think it was last year that it came out the volkswagen was programming looks, their looks cars a couple mm -hmm. years ago now yeah i guess it has been a while um program they were programming their cars to uh to emit different uh emissions and economy um for the when it detected that it was a test versus real world performance and they, I mean, Volkswagen paid for it. And well, I feel like they did a pretty decent job of owning up to it. I think so. I mean, I have never, um, I've owned exactly one Volkswagen in my life. Well, I suppose I've owned two, but, on, but one was only for a couple weeks and was a 30 year old uh, vehicle. Um, yes. Oh no! Yeah, no, I oh, know yeah. What you're yeah, I know. Yeah, what you're <laughs> let that one go. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I had I had a Jetta for a little bit, and it was a great car. Um, but there is a problem in corporate culture in our world when the ends completely justify the means, and the ends are decided by people who are so far away from the means that it forces the people who deal in the reality of the problem to make certain decisions. Right. Right. You know, as I've been reading about this deeper, like there have been people for a long time that have been questioning the validity of speculative execution and, and how secure that really is. You can go back several years and find, find you know people discussing this in a, in a sort of an academic sense sure. but it's been a known you know problem they just didn't have any code that could actually exploit it well now you do <laughs> yeah now you do now it's all out in the open it's known. yeah well let's hope that intel gets a little more serious about this uh or risk losing a pretty significant chunk of market share it's their world to lose at this point i mean 90 percent <laughs> doesn't get much uh you don't get much much bigger than that without being the monopoly you know yeah absolutely you know what they say the bigger they are harder, the harder they fall, they fall. <laughs> i was like should should i say it should do i, I who's, should, who's, let, who's, should i let him say it who says it boy we're tired <laughs> <laughs> the bigger they are the uh the hungrier they are the hungrier I don't know. they where's my cheeseburger <laughs> I had a cheeseburger. Uh, I haven't had a cheeseburger in a long time. Oh man, I love, I love cheeseburgers. I love them. I just, man, I haven't had one in a long time. Where do you get a good cheeseburger around you? Oh, that's a well, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> and um, that's the news. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hit this, and then you can tell me all about your cheeseburger woes, buddy boy. That's it for the news, and if that's all you're here for, go ahead and turn us off. Or, of course, you can stick around for the deep dive, guaranteed. We'll be back next week with the latest and the greatest, and sometimes the hated in gaming and technology. If so, choose. Look us up at shinypodcast.com, where you individually can subscribe to the latest shows and check out whatever else that we're cooking up for you download the shiny podcast and all your favorite pod catching applications and if you want to say hi make a suggestion or send us a hot tip or some feedback or some emails or anything else that you choose you can visit shinypodcast.com slash contact fill out the form or of course just email us at hello at shinypodcast.com So where do you get a cheeseburger in Boston? Or well, in Watertown, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it, it's easy enough to get into Boston. So, um, I mean, there's Shake Shack. Uh, there's Tasty Burger, which are both in Harvard Square in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. um, there's the Boston Burger Company. And mm. I have been to none of these places. <laughs> my heart. But I know that they exist. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm by no means a vegetarian. However, I just. A cheeseburger is a commitment. 
Like, let's be real here. If you're going to have it, a cheeseburger. It, it really is. And there's also, there is a time of, there's a span of time of the year that I cannot handle greasy, cheesy food. It's are, like, we, are we in it? No, no, this is the time to do it. It's like, <laughs> it, it, this is the time to get that stuff in. No, it's like late May through mid-September it's oh, like yeah. when it's yeah. hot and humid the last thing I want is a fucking burger like like a comet inside of my stomach <laughs> this big rock that's just dying to go somewhere and I can't do it uh it's true man I'm that, not a young like, man like I know it's like the the iconic you know American grilling thing but there's a like you know when it's August it's 102 out and it's you know 99% humidity. It's like, I'll just have crackers. Yeah, no. Or maybe maybe ice shavings. Cucumber. Just a cucumber bath. Just One. Yeah. <laughs> cucumber bath. <laughs> that being said, the, the, the real game changer, if an In-N-Out burger, if In-N-Out burger ever makes it to this part of the world, all bets are off. Yeah, that's for sure. Man, In-N-Out, some of the best quick serve cheeseburger yeah. i've ever had oh for sure yeah. i mean yeah, just no, quick quick serve yeah but not, not fast food necessarily no no i wouldn't call it i wouldn't call it fast well i don't know it is that, food that's an issue of perception i'm not gonna go with that <laughs> yeah that's uh that's definitely uh you 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 tip your hand a little bit when you have that conversation yeah. wouldn't you say? <laughs> Oh, so if man. you haven't figured out by now, we don't really have much of a deep dive uh, to speak of, really. Not at all. The only thing that I'm really excited about this week, though, that I, I really, I, I and, and we we texted a little bit about it. I was feeling pretty lukewarm about Far Cry Five. Um, oh, dude, yeah, Boy, I, you got me so hyped on that. So. A, a month ago, I was feeling pretty lukewarm, and, and it wasn't until earlier this week that I realized that, well, about a month ago, <laughs> a bunch of developer video had been released for, like, you know, about an hour's worth of gameplay for for a, a bunch of different people. Yeah. And, you know, a bunch of different media and, and you know, whatever, um, get their hands on the game and mess around a little bit. And I was really surprised. And Far Cry is a... A, a, a franchise that I've really enjoyed in the past. However, it just seems a little tired and a little, uh, uh, a little passe. However, some of the things that they're doing for far cry five look fun as hell. Something you can always give the far cry games, the environments and the worlds and like the, the places that they go are so well done. Definitely. They're so perfectly Very built. vibrant worlds. Very much. So when this title, when it came out that this title is bringing that type of game to a fictionalized county in Montana, it definitely got my attention. Mm -hmm. But for reasons that you just cited, I, you know, I was like, okay, that's cool, but they, uh, I don't know another Far Cry game. Yeah, all right, all right. it's like okay, interesting. But when you send me that uh, earlier this week, I went out and, and looked for the most recent videos. And damn, if you're not so right, <laughs> it's 
So it takes place, I always said, in Montana, and it looks like it's really going to deal with some um, religious cult in the woods that you have to deal with in some way. Which is pretty interesting in of a, in of, wow. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, it's been one of those, one of those weeks. At least the cat's not pooping. That's right. At least the cat is not pooping now. A, a foot right now. Well, <laughs> at least not in this room. <laughs> One never knows. There's One always a cat yet. pooping somewhere, I suppose. <laughs> uh, however, one of the a couple of the things that really grabbed my attention watching this developer uh, uh, gameplay. So. So I, I, I do find cults interesting and I find it interesting that, you know, this isn't some faraway land. This is right here in this country and you're dealing with, well, I mean, kind of a violent part of I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's not I don't think it's inappropriate to say that we're dealing with some of those sentiments right now, those political sentiments and this kind of zealotry growing and and um I, I i i think it's interesting that it's happening now but this is definitely going to ruffle some feathers is oh, what we're trying has. to say yeah and and there's a lot of uh what's the word um there's a lot a, a good a bit of backlash even just leading up when they announced the game of people who are really upset <laughs> about it so i can't wait to see when the game actually gets released how upset these people get however I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, it, it looked, it looked to me to be an American, just an explosive American experience. Like if you could take, uh, I don't know. Like for example, they they were showing this scene where there's this side mission that you can do where you're, <clears throat> it's like a, a road time race, and. You, you accept the mission and it opens up with like a screaming eagle, like flying out to you with like flames in the background. And you get in this car and the car's on fire and you have to drive through these like red, white and blue, like arches that cool the car down. And those are like your, your checkpoints to get through this race. And it's just like, it was so, it was, it really embraced that kind of ridiculous nature of American culture in a way that, is you know can be really upsetting but if treated in the right way can be really fun and i feel like they caught that spirit really well i see i i uh i think i have a a window into this as i you know i mean anybody who knows me if you hang out with me long enough eventually you're gonna know where i land on the political spectrum and how i think about the world and all of that and that's not really what the this podcast is for but i will tell you that I am somebody who lives in Vermont, and I really like to shoot guns. <laughs> I really like to shoot guns. It's a lot of fun to shoot guns. I think shooting guns is fun. I don't like to shoot guns at things that have a heartbeat, generally speaking, but I like to shoot guns a right lot, on. a whole lot. And even in that little microcosm, it's there's there's. There's definitely a difference between um, between the perception and reality, right? Like right. depending on where you far are in life and where you're from in life and kind of how you think of the world, there's a difference between perception of reality that goes a couple different directions. One of them is this uh, idea that 
anything that resembles a quote unquote redneck existence is bad. And, mm. and that's, that's simply not true. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a lot of fun to shoot guns. It's a lot of fun to, to drive a uh, pickup truck over a dirt hill. You know, it's, it's, these are, these are fun things. <laughs> and I can personally attest to that. Absolutely. Agreed. <laughs> but what this, I think that's, that is what this game tries to um, capture is the fact is that dissonance between these very basic, maybe even primal desires to have very natural fun, you know, very mm-hmm. simple fun and, and, and really indulge in that. It's, you know, it's a very American thing and the ramifications of the greater culture that seems to sort of exist within that. Right. And I, and for that reason, I think it's going to be a very interesting game. And how? Yeah, absolutely, man. Do you? So I notice in a lot of this promo material, the American flag is altered. Have you noticed that? I haven't actually. Hold on. See if you can pick up, like if you just even just do a Google image search for Far Cry 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check out the, there's a, there's this sort of like, um, Last Supper image that's oh, yeah. that's no, being it's, used. It's like the cult, uh, their like symbol. It's the yes, uh, yes, yes. And if you look at other promotional material, most of the American flags in these shots are um, are like that. Oh, that's interesting. So, as somebody who's played more Far Cry than I, do they usually make it a sort of like um, alternate universe? Is that what I'm seeing here, or is this just you, you know just like this is what the cult does? Like, with this is how they decorate, or this seems to be what the cult does. This seems okay. to be a very deliberate like they the cult has kind of bastardized their you know the the American flag for their purposes. I see, um, but. I mean, the all the Far Cry games usually take place like they're they're they could be real places, but they exist in fictional areas. So, for example, Far Cry four is a fictional region in the Himalayas, gotcha. but it, but it, it, it exists on Earth because it's in the Himalayas, but it's not a real place. It's it takes not, its cues from a real area. but Correct. Yeah. yeah. However, I, I do think in this case it's it because that symbol that is on the flag that we're referencing is the symbol that the cult uses all over the place. Like it's specific to them. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Let's talk about uh, the co-op mode of this game because that looks really compelling. Yeah. So so there there are two components of this. Yeah. There's there's the like the buddy system type co-op play. So there are NPCs in the world that you can. There are like just run of the mill NPCs that you can encounter and hire to help you with a couple of missions, that sort of thing. And then more story based NPCs. And the idea is that they all have strengths and weaknesses. So you might encounter somebody who is really good with a rifle and can be your spotter, you know, who can be like, you can move them around. You can say, Hey, get up on that high place and, and take them out from up there while I infiltrate from the ground or vice versa. Or, you know, if you are more of a stealthy player, like I am, I tend to like to attack from a distance and then move in. Um, so you can meet different people that fit those play styles and you don't really get pigeonholed into one type of 
of companion basically um oh interesting yeah so so that's like seems to be how the buddy system works um but then there's the co-op play which you can if if another friend owns the game you can well i don't think it's cross-platform so i think they have to own it on the same platform that you do but Mm -hmm. you can play the entire game with them it's not just open world or just select parts of the game like it was with far cry 4 it's the whole thing you can it's do the whole, whole campaign the whole single do, player campaign. exactly you can do everything with a friend if you want to oh that's really cool yeah 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 so i'm really excited about all that that sounds really <laughs> cool yeah. i mean it you know it, it, i won't take too many points off for the fact that you will not be able to do that in the same physical place you do have to yeah. have two copies of the game network connected, uh, you know, over the internet to 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 take advantage of that feature. Sadly, the nature of the industry at this point. However, no, that's no like local. the next best thing to me. The fact yeah. that it's a sing or, or not a single player, but a the story campaign is the is the focal point and the and the the co-op revolves around that. Yeah. Rather than becoming the game unto itself is it gives me a lot of hope because that's what I want. I mean, I am a single player kind of guy. Occasionally, totally. we'll we'll jump up and play Left 4 Dead or something like that. But generally speaking, I'm a I'm a single player kind of guy. Yeah, same here. Mm-hmm. But that is a type of gameplay that I could really get into. Absolutely, I'm so excited for it. Like, uh. <laughs> so tell me about the different there's some different price points here you know i mean oh, because obviously God, nobody yeah. who listens to this podcast is going to pre-order that's just bad form yes correct so this has been a i mean this this has been a thing that's uh, i mean is pretty standard it's and unfortunately becoming standard is you have different tiered game prices at this point so essentially what what's happening is you know you can buy the base game great and if you you know maybe if you pre-order it order it you'll have some sort of weapon or skin perk whatever Mm -hmm. um but you know that's sixty dollars um which is the standard price of a brand new triple a game right or you could spend seventy dollars and get this extra feature or spend a hundred dollars and get all this stuff and it's like so these things that used to be just part of the game kind of get locked behind these higher tiered like pre-orders and you know versions of the game basically and most of it is the same i mean you know just except you get access to those special things that you get if you pre-order or buy the higher priced game mm-hmm. And Ubisoft has been doing quite a bit of it. Um, they're doing it with this game. They do it with their Assassin's Creed franchise. Right. Um, yeah. So is it is it fair to call like is the ninety or hundred dollar version that's the is that is that a content unlocked or is that is that the way that you guarantee that you're going to get new stuff as it comes out? Yeah, that, both. So I think that one is. It's like pre-order content. I think you get an extra mission, some extra weapons to start out with, and the season pass. Oh, interesting. And does the lower tier just give you the season pass, or is it? No, just... I don't. I don't think it does. I think the lower tiers give you just like a pre-order bonus. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Well, it's a it's a it's a it's a tall ask 
but uh, I'll have to see because I am. I mean, I don't know. It definitely gets my attention. Yeah, I'm. I will. I will definitely wait. Um, just be. Don't pre-order games. Just, just, don't. just don't. Just, just don't. don't. But also, um, Ubisoft has a, a particularly rep- bad track record. Yes, a bad of track bugs record. on launch day. Correct. So this is you definitely, think Bethesda was bad, dude? Holy shit! Yeah, no, it's like reliable. It, it really is. Um, especially with piece the PC versions, they are generally yeah. speaking uh, with lots Bethesda of, lots games. Of problems. Dog meat may drift through a staircase. But but Ubisoft games like you can't play the game like they probably won't start. <laughs> like, it's, no, like, it's true. It's I, that bad. It's true. I was having major issues when I pre I pre ordered Far Cry Four, and I was having major major problems until a few weeks after launch, and they fixed a couple of them. You get the sense, like you know, it's it's like, well, what do you mean? Isn't an Xbox a computer? Oh God. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, it's probably something that I'll wait for, like the Steam sale, to be mm-hmm. honest, because summer sale. Yeah, the Steam summer sale. They'll probably drop it like twenty bucks, and at that point, it's like, yeah, absolutely. Most yeah. of the bugs will probably be worked out. It's cheaper, golden. For reference, the March, uh, the, or rather, the uh, release date is March twenty seventh. Correct. Yeah. So we're yeah we're in hype season. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> two months out. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Far Cry 5. Have you played, um, as I'm looking through the Ubisoft catalog here, have you played their other titles? And I don't mean the, the Assassin's Creed. I mean, there's like um, Homefront, The Revolution. Yeah, there's Watchdog, Watchdogs. I've I'm played the saying. first one of the, that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played that? No, no, I haven't. Hmm. Uh, they it's also hard. own the Tom Clancy franchise. Oh, do they? Oh, yeah. interesting. Interesting. Huh. You liked both the 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 numbered Far Cry, the most recent ones, like three and four, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um I liked Far Cry two as well, um mm-hmm. back in the day. Oh yeah, I remember you were modding that as recently as like a year yes. ago. Yeah, it was. Um and then the Far Cry standalone kind of it's not an expansion. It's it's a standalone game of uh, Far Cry Three Blood Dragon. Oh my god, that game is amazing. <laughs> what is that? I actually don't think I understand what that is. It is so it's the same engine as Far Cry Three, mm-hmm. except except it's this just eighties Tron like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like everything, if they could put everything about the '80s in in an aesthetic, and then apply that skin to the Far Cry games, that's what Blood Dragon is. Oh, that's awesome! It's really over the top and cheesy and stupid, and it's so wonderful. I loved it. And it and looks it's, like it, they have a cybernetic Mark Hamill on the cover. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And you don't need Far Cry 3 to, to buy it. It's a standalone. So That's really cool. It's so good. I absolutely encourage you to get that game if you do not have it. It's so good. Did you like Primal? I have not played it. I own it. I own it. But oh no, it's in it's in the uh the, the pre-death graveyard. Yeah, it is it is installed though. So that's mm, that that, nice. that means it has a higher chance of me getting around to actually <laughs> playing it. <so. laughs> I'll be interested in that because that one was like a like a 
uh, departure, right? It's like you're a, you're a caveman. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like 10,000 BC, like primal man. And one of my favorite things about Far Cry three and four was the bow and arrow. So it's, it's right up my alley, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, I'm just, uh, I just have not gotten around to it. Man, these graphics are any indication at all. I mean, geez, graphics are getting good. Yeah, it's why your average video game is 60 gigs now. <laughs> yeah, right? Jesus, man. Lord, it won't be too... I, You know, 2018 may require a new build, <laughs> whether I want to or not. I know. Just to keep pace, you know? Oh, I Especially know. with that fucking fourth generation uh, i5 that I've got in there that just took a huge performance hit. Yeah, I got the same one. <laughs> <sighs> man. Unfortunately, I will definitely have to wait until 2019 for my next build but that's I really, uh i really should i think that's I think, okay i think a desktop is at probably lower on the list than a laptop for me honestly yeah right on i was lamenting in between uh, episodes with colin that boy i need to figure this out my poor computer's taking just about every performance hit <laughs> that oh, no. you, you can get it's like <laughs> it's really bad and i and i use a lot of virtualization so that that's like particularly hit hard by the uh, meltdown slowdown uh first world problems i know i know as i wait for (laughs) far cry 5 to come out that i can purchase at 90 dollars, my laptop (laughs) is just not quite fast enough uh anymore Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i don't give a shit i need it i need it i need it i know uh I tell you what, man, that new XPS 13, they released about a week. Actually, just, you know, when C- at the end of CES. Did yeah, you see yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that piece. That looks like, oh, that really looks good. Mm-hmm. If, <laughs> again, eighth generation Intel, uh, you know, insides. But I guess the eighth generation, um, what would that be? Uh, not Hades Canyon. Is it Hades Canyon? Uh, no, Hades Canyon. I no, think is yeah, pretty, I don't pretty think specifically so, yeah. the uh, Intel AMD hybrid. The the exact previous generation, so eight thousand series um, in, uh, Intel chips, I guess, are less affected by the performance hits. Right on. Almost like they anticipated it. <sighs> but boy, I don't really want to give Intel any money. No, no, I really fucking don't. <laughs> Somebody just needs to make a, a really good, thin, AMD-only laptop with tons of Thunderbolt ports and a Vegas a Vega chip and, um, like, 16-hour battery life, and I'll be good to go. Yes, please. That's what I want. If you in the audience know of that machine, please let me know. <laughs> I need to find it. But... I'll probably end up waiting for a little bit, huh? Right on. Hmm. Right on. Although the XPS 13 actually did get a big uh, price drop yesterday. It did, actually. I did see that. <sighs> I know. It's like Dell's like, come on. Oh, hey, yeah. Come on, by the come way, on, you can hey. buy this with Linux installed. But, you know, you don't have to get a, a Windows license with this. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, really? Uh because I got plenty of Windows keys. I don't need another one that I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. use. <laughs> Save me the 50 or or $100. And... Yeah, seriously. Well, that was a great deep dive. That was great. That was like our best deep dive <laughs> ever. <laughs> I'm going to hit the music. I think we've done it. We did it. I think we did it. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we would love to hear from you folks. Uh, you can hit us up at Twitter at Kaliali11 and Chris at Fluxola. Uh, check us out on Facebook, our website, shinypodcast.com. Also, please, pretty please, if you have a moment, give us a review on iTunes. It goes a long way to getting some more people and grabbing some more ears. I also want to give a really big shout out to whoever is listening to us in Japan because you're our next highest download region. So if you're listening, thank you and hello. I want to give a shout out to the people who are listening to this on Fedora. There's at least seven of you that can that that, that have listened to this on Fedora, and I love you. That's great. You guys are great. Maybe you're in Japan. I don't know, but I just want to give major kudos for that one because you got media to work on Fedora. <laughs>